first thought sucked, but now you realize that they rock. They still suck. Fear and Loathing Podcast. Wow. Welcome, everybody, and happy holidays to Fear and Loathing and Cinema Podcast. Oh, my goodness. It's November 21st. It is Thanksgiving week, and we have a delectable, a delicious, a delightful movie for all of you this week. Oh, my goodness. It is going to be gross and bloody and full of corn pone. Uh, we'll get to that a little later, but I'm Brian Kluger and I'm joined by the host with the most. Oh my God. I am joined by the man who I like to raise pigs with, uh, Dr. Fell himself, Preston Barta. How are you? I'm good. I'm going to have my Stefan moment here for real with this joke. Brian's going to be happy, but I'm going to go to hell for it. Brian, I've given serious thought to eating out... oh my goodness well that is quite amazing (laughs) and welcome the invitation (laughs) oh you're doing good yeah i'm good i'm good recovered ready for this he's recovered yeah he had food poisoning from i guess eating people (laughs) from eating not meat so you gotta eat the meat you do have to eat the meat uh also oh my goodness that was good preston (laughs) very happy about that uh we're gonna go all the way to florida um to a connoisseur of rare meats and fine wines chelsea campbell how are you i'm good I'm just, I'm just still really uh, upset about Dean and DeLuca. Rest in peace, 2020. <laughs> Dean and DeLuca, R.I.P. right there. And then we're going all the way uh, to the man who has ate his own brains before, Dan Moran, the <laughs> Hannibal of the law. <laughs> How are you, sir, in Austin, Texas? I'm doing great. There are... No three people I'd rather handcuff myself to at a dinner table than you three. (laughs) Right, right. If you can't tell, we are talking about Hannibal, the movie that came out on Valentine's Day in 2001. Uh, Hannibal, the sequel to Silence of the Lambs, directed by the one, the only Ridley Scott, who's in the news right now. Screenplay by, of course, David Mamet and Stephen Zalian and starring Anthony Hopkins, Ray Liotta, Frankie Faison, uh, Gary Oldman in a wonderful role, Julianne Moore, and of course, Hector Salamanca himself. Um, We were going to talk about all of this, but first, we have a question that we're going to all answer. Uh, This is our 50th episode, by the way. Congratulations, everybody. 50 episodes are in the the bag. Um, Our question today... If you could have Hannibal, the character, eat one character from another movie, who would it be and why? Who's got it first? Who's got it first? I'll take it because mine's not funny. And I've already shared my answer. Uh, I joke. Well, I joked that it was going to be Hudson from Aliens, but I 
I really think I would most be interested because of how both of them talk uh, is solely from bones and all just because what would that conversation be like before and then like who would actually win I, I would say probably Hannibal but uh, I would love to see that that happen in a movie mm, I like it I like it a lot mine is John Kramer from the Saw movies why why mm-hmm. Can you imagine if Hannibal Lecter had to sit through one of those videos, but then got the upper hand? You know what I mean? Like Hannibal Lecter is not here for any of that shit. He would sit there and be like, oh, would you like to play a game? (laughs) Just Hannibal Lecter would be so annoyed by that little doll rolling out that the things he would do to John Kramer. (laughs) Okay. I did not know you were going to go there, but okay. I like John Kramer. I think he's justified. It's for another podcast. That's Timothy Oliphant. Who's justified? That's Aha. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um Chelsea. Um, I would have Hannibal because he eats the root. I would he I would have him eat anyone Rob Schneider has ever played. <gasps> what? Why? He'd still be saying you can do it. <laughs> even the, even the hot chick. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man! All right. Any anybody Rob Schneider has played this? Just, not, Rob, just Rob Schneider. Just Rob Schneider. You don't yeah. like Rob Schneider? I don't. Okay. You're not excited about whatever voice he adds to Leo Adam Sandler's new computer animated movie that's on Netflix today. I'm not. Interesting. That's the part Chelsea will turn off. <laughs> I have I have seen Rob Schneider live. Um, he is. Huh? I've interviewed him. Yeah, he has a wonderful singing voice. Nobody really knows that. Um, but interesting, Rob Schneider, not the character, the person. Both. <laughs> Both. Both. Por que no los dos? Right. Um, so you want him wiped from existence? Yeah, kinda. Oh, okay. What did he do to you? Later. Movies, that's what he did. (laughs) (laughs) Later. All right. Uh, I guess I'm having Hannibal. I already said my answer. I have a a bonus one. Uh, Gilbert Grape's mother, just because it would be an amazing feast to watch because she can't really get around it really, really easy. And it'd be like a Thanksgiving Day buffet for Hannibal. I'm really interested in that and then to add to that bonus person i will go only for the line he would say i would want it to be sherman clump from nutty professor um <laughs> so he could say how sweet dark meat <laughs> and i want that so badly to happen if, for the same that- reasons Huh? If that really offended you, you can email Brian at fearandloathingincinema at gmail.com and contact him on Brian Kluger on all his social media channels. <laughs> Why would that offend anybody? I think that would be great. And plus, how sweet dark meat is a Freddy Krueger line. Oh, I know. Um, but I think that would be amazing. He's just putting you out there. He's have you seen you the, there. have y'all ever seen that? video of like the tourists on a safari and they come across that lion that's just in the middle of the road and his stomach is almost as big as whatever because he like 
took down a wildebeest on his own and couldn't move and he's just laying there and couldn't move at all like everyone's getting so close to take pictures that's what hannibal would look like leaving the gilbert grape house (laughs) (laughs) they'd find him on they'd find him on the front porch just looking nine months pregnant (laughs) (laughs) and and arnie would be up in the tower (laughs) he'd be like in slow motion trying to chomp at the cops as they're arresting be like yeah yeah (laughs) this is genius why aren't we writers for snl it would be great like hannibal lecter going through like 10 i don't know that'd be that'd be amazing it's a good idea all right let's get to hannibal (laughs) did oh wait did we bring this question to the internet oh good stuff i should have I, i did not all right we should um and then read them next time but let's talk about hannibal a little bit uh where did we all start with hannibal so this this came out valentine's day of 2001 i was in college in kansas and i think i went with a couple of friends to see it opening day and i remember because i was really big fan of silence of the lambs i still think that the last time the oscars got it right for sure was silence of the lambs it won best actor best actress best writing best director best picture all that um and i do believe I do think uh, that Hannibal, when I saw it, I really liked it because it was really gory. And back in that time when I was 2001, I was 20. I was really into that. Uh, and I remember enjoying it. Um, I I thought what they did, minus Julian Moore coming in, I, I remember liking it. I think there were some issues with it, but I still remember liking it back then um, with all of its kind of uh freakish nature because of how the first film was such a great suspenseful drama and this one just kind of Ridley Scott just went for it and really went over the top with it which I think works in certain ways and we'll get to that but I remember liking it and coming back to it again I guess when was the last time I watched this before yesterday was probably when it was released on dvd so it's been a little bit but i did enjoy it um once again uh for different reasons uh chelsea when did you first uh see this movie and did you understand it dial that fucking back (laughs) dial that all the way back all the way the fuck back (laughs) <laughs> I, I hope if I hope I hope you're gonna ask that of both Dan and Preston. I will. Okay. Did when did you first see it? So I was 2001. I was 14 or 15. Um, this is something that I would that I uh had my dad bring me to just because I could see any movies. It's just as long as I had like a parent or a grandparent with me. Um, I do remember this and I remember being very confused by Julianne Moore being there. Um, but I also really loved the whole kind of Ray, Ray Liotta like ending scene. Yeah, it was intense. And I remember them saying something like uh, they had a conversation since it wasn't going to work out with Jodie Foster. If like the producers were going to like James bonded up with Clarice uh have different characters replaceable who knows uh dan 
first were you at the theater at this time in 2001 oh no you weren't did you no. understand it <laughs> no <laughs> i uh saw it uh i know for a fact we made one of our friend's moms take all of us like drop us all off um and a huge crew because i think like some of us could drive some of us couldn't so it was one of those weird you know tweener age and i swear we had like 10 people in the theater 10 or 12 people all going to see it we were all excited we thought it was going to be you know the coolest thing ever i think there must have been some hype around this movie because I can't imagine around Valentine's Day when you're towards the end of high school just being like, all right, guys, let's all roll out to Hannibal together. But we did. And I remember thinking that it was very, very good um, because, it, like Brian said, it's so gory and it's so over the top and it's such a departure from the mind games and just the brilliance of the first one that this one is kind of just like alien to aliens where it's like okay aliens all suspense it's all cerebral it's all this and then aliens it's like we're gonna just throw an alien in every five minutes to make sure that everyone's paying attention is kind of how i felt about it did ridley scott james cameron his own movie (laughs) (laughs) oh my god he did didn't he jesus christ uh and it's interesting back this is the first movie I remember because I know they've done this ever since, but it's the first time I can remember in 2001 where a horror movie came out on Valentine's Day. And it seems like they've done that quite a bit over the years where they've released a horror movie on Valentine's Day because it seems like it makes a lot of money. Couples oh, high like school to kids go... just want to hold hands. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So I, I was the first one I remember doing that. Uh, I... Oh, sorry. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. This is, I was going to jump sections, but I haven't heard Preston. Preston may have proposed during this movie, so I need to know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at a, at a wee ten year old. Yeah, <laughs> ten year old. His first kiss, Hannibal. <laughs> it was. It was not Hannibal. First kiss. Uh, so I did not see this in theaters. I saw it when it came to Blockbuster. So later on that year, when I was 11, uh, I, I remember uh, just pretty much anything that we've discussed, especially on my bloody podcast when we discuss horror films, uh, if it was something that was violent and somewhat edgy, you thought when you're that age, you thought it was the coolest thing. So I think at the time, I thought, it was amazing, um, especially the Indian sequence that we keep keep referring to. Um, and then, yeah, we'll get to my thoughts about it uh, today. I still think it's uh, a very entertaining movie, but like uh, Dan said, that's a pretty good comparison with the aliens and aliens thing. This one is very entertaining. Like it's there's not a dull moment in it. It just doesn't compare to the first. Doesn't build dread. Um, so that, that that's the. You kind of have to think about it as like separate entities. When you start really trying to draw the bridge there, they don't really, it really doesn't work for me. It's more of a disappointment. But if I think about it on its own, uh, it's a little more successful to me. Yeah. So Thomas Harris, the author of these books, after the success of Silence of the Lambs, they were like, get to work on a sequel novel, which he did. And I think maybe he rushed it or maybe he was just where do we go from here? Let's just do anything and everything. And 
the characters were so different this time around that I think it turns some people off. It, it certainly turned off the original director and Jodie Foster. Uh, and, but the what? Fans of the book, like fans of the original movie and the original book were like, if you've read about what they do in Hannibal, it's insane. Like they go, they end up getting together and like going yeah. on like almost like a lover's journey. To Well, like, yeah, that's how like the book sense. ends. Yeah, it's yeah. like it, it's Clarice Starling and Hannibal Lecter loving each other and going off in the sunset, basically. And I think that the movie Hannibal has a lot of those elements in it. There is a very big romantic factor between them. But is it really explored or do you think Ridley Scott just wanted to show the grotesque gore nature of it? Chelsea, what do you think? Wait, so how is there a big romantic? Thank you, Chelsea. I was going to but I didn't want to sound. Part. I, I want to explore that first. I think there's a ton of romance in be- between Clarice and. One-sided. I, huh? yeah, I think it's absolutely one sided. But do you think just Hannibal loves her and she doesn't have any feelings towards him? She's intrigued by him. She yeah. is like, he's a, he is the boogeyman who she knows, like she has contact with him, but I don't think yeah. she's like, there's no, there's not yearning for him. There's definitely an interest, but I don't think it crosses over to romance as much as he, he wants. Like she didn't, seems yeah. like she didn't really think about him in those 10 years well, so that's, I think, one of the issues of the movie, because how could you not? And then, but it, it's clear he's thought about her the entire time. Well, yeah, because he's insane. Is he? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Know, we knew it was going to go down a road, but I didn't think we were going to take that turn this early. <laughs> a little bit. Well, well, tell me why you don't think Clarice, the character in this film, is not romantically entangled or not entangled. Uh, uh, she doesn't like him. Like, what well, you don't you don't see that. You don't see like she's. I know she has an interest in him, but it seems like as the story progresses further, I think even though really Scott didn't really hit us on the head with it, I think she really struggles on how to feel for him because she's supposed to be is according to the science of the lambs, like the straight and narrow and always go down the right path. This movie definitely says one other thing. They go in a different direction because nobody listens to Clarice, even though she's like right all the time. Um, and I, nobody likes her, which was weird to me, but it's, yeah. I think more than any kind of romantic element, which is very one-sided uh, with Hannibal, I think it's more of like uh, because of the whole shootout in the beginning and the whole kind of investigation that happens. I think it's more of a kind of she's losing faith in the justice system and kind of going through through that um, kind of being conflicted between that and kind of the whole Mason Verger thing. Just like, I, I don't know. That's how I see that conflict. I know she's curious about him. I just don't see the like romantic element. Like she, he buys her like, a nice like Gucci shoes and Gucci dress because Julianne Moore was like friends with Tom Ford at that time. Um, but I don't see, I don't know. I just don't see the kind of 
that the book that the book has. Right. But I think yeah. like the romantic thing with him is that he's obsessed with her and he'd do anything for her. That's obsession is not necessarily romance. I mean, it could be a, he, like a real scary, dark romance thing. No, he that. But you're, what you're saying is correct. It's one sided. Like she it's. He she is not reciprocating she's interested she's intrigued she's recognizing it's a part of her her own legend her own career and what people know her for like in this movie world but there's never a moment where she's like i know it happens in the book but in this movie there's never a moment i feel like where she's like should i run off with him the closest you get to is even when she rescues him from Ver verger it's not because she's like i love you we need to run away together she's holding a gun at him is like this is not the justice that i believe in you should be back in a cell for the rest of your life eating slop through a through a metal hole like that's <laughs> honestly what she is yeah. how she's feeling and then even when she immediately wakes up in the house her first thing is i'm gonna get a snow globe to bash him over the head there's not like he's making me dinner and dressed me up I yeah mean, there's like a she's she's scared of him he's the, dangerous the, the closest you get to romance is she's willing to sacrifice her own life essentially for him in the sense where she's like i know i'm gonna die by handcuffing myself to him and this is a risk i'm willing to take because i can't let this man get out mm -hmm. free again that if you want to call that romantic sure but that's her love of the game like that's but i think there's the something FBI. underneath that a metaphor that they're always going to be tied together they're always going to be absolutely but not romantically but not romantically mm -hmm. it, she Brian, did you that watch the nudie. notebook <laughs> i we did hannibal <laughs> Animal just saying, if you're a bird, I'm a bird. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a bad carries. Preston, any any insight into this romance between Clarice and Hannibal? Yeah, everything that Dan said. She would have probably had a bigger reaction to the nudie drawing that he sent. She would have put it like on her fridge or something like that. She did hang it up in her for office. E for evidence purposes. For evidence. <laughs> semantics here <laughs> thanks, she puts a little sticky you. note over, over the boobs sorry yeah i don't know i think there's a <laughs> I, mm. <laughs> you're stretching man i don't think i am stretching i think she's following him she's list she's listening to his voice constantly throughout the movie because she doesn't really play a big part in the movie until she ends up uh like me she's listening to her voice i guess we're just now completely into the plot she's listening to her voice because the old orderly is like here's all the tapes that were recorded of you and she's like oh i don't remember half these conversations but i spoke with like the world's craziest serial killer talked about me i kind of want to listen to it because i pretty much just had the biggest botched shootout in FBI history and waterboarded mm -hmm. a child because it had blood on it. And I'm like losing my job. And then she finds out this whole thing. It's almost her going back to her roots to try to see like what made her a good agent in the beginning. And it's like intriguing to her. And I can see Ridley Scott shoots it where you're like, especially with the dress scene and the handcuffs and everything, he shoots it. Like you're like, Oh, are they, are they, but they never do is the point. Like there's definitely framing where you're like, oh my God, is she going to actually flip on him? But she never does. She never flips towards him. Okay. All right. I'm just saying that it's there. 
it's it's there. All right. Did you understand this movie? Did you understand? (laughs) I did. I like how he went to you, Chelsea, when he was like, hey, Chelsea, so about like their love story, like what are your thoughts on that as the resident girl here who's clearly into this romantic love story? And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) (sighs) So good. All right. All right. So no romance. Let's go to the suspense. Was it suspenseful when you saw it in 2001? Does it hold up? Is it is it kind of silly now that we've, you know, 22 years have passed? Or does it play out more kind of like just a, a freak show? Just like, oh, my God, we're going to do every gory thing. We're going to see pigs rip off faces. We're going to see intestines fall on the street. And we're going to see uh, Hannibal stab a guy in the dick. What? What do you think? I think the most suspenseful part is in Italy. Yeah. When, so when with they, like the little side story of the the Italian detective. The Italian investigator and he's like... Uh, see. Yeah, that's very... I think that's very suspenseful with Hannibal putting his hand on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. It's like he knows that he knows, you know, but we're both going to pretend we don't know. Like that whole reveal, ever that entire sequence I find to be the suspense really held up and really worked. And then I feel like once it gets to the pig stuff and all that, it kind of turns into more of an action movie. And so the, the dread from especially the original, I didn't think was there, but that, that Italian scene has a lot of the, the flair of what I would expect Hannibal to operate in the real world, if you will. Like it really creeped me out because he was so much further ahead of everyone the entire time. And we all knew it. And what made it suspenseful is that, we knew the other character knew it too. And he still was like, Oh, I can figure this guy out. So that worked for me. Yeah. It's all the conversational scenes and those 10, the the Italian Italy sequence and Florence sequences have, have the most of it. And I find that whole section to be the best part of the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just anytime he talks about art or, poetry or uh, literature like all those rants and like finding a way to bring it into whatever agenda he has is uh really fascinating to me so that that was like a a proper although probably the second best sequence is the whole cat and mouse phone call thing like that was pretty good pretty good i like it suspenseful wise chelsea no, I think it's it's definitely suspenseful. Um, I do think I'll agree with the whole kind of like uh, all the scenes in Italy were way more. I I feel like they were way more elevated than anything that happened in with Clarice and stuff. And those were those were the scenes that were are super enjoyable and really f- kind of felt like Ridley Scott um like on a on a grander scale um but I just want to I just want to say this movie had like so much camp to it um that like Silence of the Lambs didn't like it it had you know it goes for that dark humor but this was very like Preston said like when um Hannibal talks about like art or poetry or anything everyone loves to hear that but this like kind of just turned it up a little bit too. yeah he's got some lines like somebody's walking by and they say uh let's get something to eat and he's like 
why not? <laughs> Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Oh, so good. Um, so with the with the character Hannibal, maybe not so much in Science of the Lambs, but in this one, do you feel more sympathetic towards him? And I ask that because I remember having this conversation back in 2001 after I saw the movie. And I always felt this. I feel really bad for Hannibal in a few scenes here, um, uh, especially the one where he is tased and he falls down and he's like being dragged uh, to like uh, to be eaten by the people by Mason Verger. I just felt so bad for the guy in that instance. And I was like, no, I want Hannibal to win out on this. Cheap. You think he felt cheap? Well, just because he's always, at least in this film, because uh, you, you brought up James Bond earlier, and this whole film kind of feels like a James Bond movie because they're going to different locations and you got the cartoony villain, that sort of thing. Um, and so he's always, at least in this film, he's kind of like ahead of the game, like especially when uh, Potsy hires the the guy or uh, gets that guy that is a good pick pickpocketer and um has wants to get his fingerprint because that's what he needs to prove to mason verger that he's been identified please give me three million dollars and so he gets that guy to try to get the 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 fingerprint and everything and um it uh man where was i going with this i lost my thought completely because i put too many too many layers in there um but <laughs> Um, feeling bad for him. You were talking about feeling bad for him. Yeah. Um, so he knows more. It was more just yeah, leading up to to that sequence. Like he he's always shown that he's ahead of the game, especially in that sequence, because he 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 knew he was coming. He knew that he knew where Potsy was coming from. Um, and so when it comes to that moment, he already knew that they were there, um, looking supposedly for Clarice, but they're looking for him. And I felt like he would have been ahead of that too. And so it felt a little cheap to me that he just got tased. Like that's all it took um, for him to go down. I think it would have been more of a fight uh, than that. Like he would have made his way around the corner. It would have been like another intense kind of sequence similar to the shootout at the very beginning, which feels like a Ridley Scott movie. Mm -hmm. uh, having a sequence like that put in there. It's like, oh, well, yeah, we're going to show my strengths as a filmmaker doing an intense action sequence in here. Um, and so I, I felt like they would have done something a little more with that. But I think your argument about feeling, you're, you're rooting for him more so than anybody else in this movie compared to Silence of the Lambs because of the character differences that they have here. Because Clarice is more is drier, she's more cynical, Compared to the first one, she's not quite an idealist. Well, that's why I wanted to ask, because with more sympathy towards Hannibal, but Clarice here, you know, she's, you know, clearly, I guess she had an affair with Ray Liotta. They bring that up. And then she's being just ridiculed still at the FBI after all of her success. I still think she's justified in the shootout because it's just gang members shooting at her first. Um, so I don't know why everybody's mad at her still, but it seems, yeah, she's, she's not the happier. She doesn't want to learn anything like she was, she was, uh, in the first film. It's just like, she's, she's hardened. And I don't know if that's just working the FBI for, I don't remember how long it's been, but I, 
I didn't like her in this movie. I didn't like her character in this movie. I didn't I didn't like that after the shootout, she didn't really know what to say when she all she needed to say was I ordered the D- DC police to stand down and they opened fire anyway. It's like she took complete ownership of it silently. And yeah. I, I really hated that. It's interesting. What 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 do y'all think about Clarice in this movie compared to the first film? I think that's why Jodie Foster didn't sign on to this because it was not very true to who she thought and who kind of we all know Clarice Starling to be in like a professional, you know, aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. hard and character hard and bitter. She's hardened, she's bitter, and that's why you do start to root for her or see some more qualities from the first movie once she starts with the Hannibal stuff and listening to her old tapes and talking to the orderly and meeting with Verger and not really going along with his stuff. You're like, okay, that's the Clarice. You start to see glimpses of it, but it never crosses back over to her. She's not the protagonist in this movie. Yeah. Um, this movie is about... I mean, it's called Hannibal. Like, <laughs> it's it's about Hannibal, and like credit to them for making a complete monster. You you do you don't root for him to win, but you kind of root for him to get away with it. Like, you don't want him yeah. to go out that way. You don't want him to do this. But still, at the end, I was like, oh, I wish that she caught him. I knew she didn't. I knew she wouldn't. But I was like, oh, I wish she got him. Mm-hmm. No, I I don't. I want I I want the book ending. I want them to. No, we know that you've told us. You want you want them to fucking eat brains? Yes. You want to be bones and all lovers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, with those two characters, I it just makes sense. When you bring up the James Bond thing, though, like it would be such an interesting series if it was just. And I know this has happened, and I know that's kind of what Thomas Harris has done and bastardized it. But it would be interesting if the James Bond was just Hannibal in a cell helping people catch criminals like with what the tv show tried to do like i wish they actually capitalized on what this could have been um well that's what they did with christoph walt uh christoph waltz's character as what what was his character's name Uh, Um, i don't know it was inspector all the all the ones that oh oh, blowfeld yeah blowfeld yeah that's kind of what they turned him into um because he was the architect of all his pain yeah (laughs) I'm the architect of all your pain. So, Julianne Moore, do you think she did the role justice as an actress? I think it would be hard for anybody to step in there and do that. Uh, I think she's she's fine, but not the Clarice that I was wanting because I felt like Jodie Foster set up a good character that you could sympathize with and understand and you found interesting. And it's just, yeah, it's just the fact that it was recast anyway but i think it would have felt uh if jodie foster really had stepped in there and did it anyway uh i don't know how i would feel i think i would feel a bit betrayed maybe um it was recast though it was recast to a completely different character and a completely different point of that character's life so just to look for her to look different act different and be at a whole different point of the journey you're just yeah. like, whoa, it, it's jarring. It's a jarring thing. And I was looking at the casting of this and they went through like 30 people, 30 they wanted Angelina Jolie at one point. 
they they had um Jillian Anderson and she was almost cast but she couldn't in her contract she couldn't play another FBI agent which is crazy um (laughs) instead she did nil um so Mason Verger is this Gary Oldman's best role to date no no (laughs) this isn't anybody's best of I do uh, like how his house is just the Biltmore, though. The Biltmore, yeah, yeah, uh, in Asheville, yeah. It's he's uh, great. he's great in this movie. He is great in this role, movie. He's great. He's there great. is somebody better than him in this movie, which is very rare. But uh, that that character, Mason Verger, because we all we don't get a lot of him from the book, because the book he is he needs to die a very painful death because he's a sadistic pedophile. He has tortured and raped his sister and his sister's girlfriend. Um, And the way Mason Verger goes out in the book is amazing. And of course they don't do that in the movie because I don't know how they would have filmed it, but (laughs) I heard that Christopher Reeve was originally attached, but when he heard, he was going to be a pedophile. He said no. He said no. <laughs> yeah, but I, only, I feel like that detail is just skimmed. Like they do not lay it on thick enough because otherwise I feel like so many people would be like, I'm not going to his place at all. Like that's well, disgusting. Yeah. Right. They, no, they made him really- like more sympathetic. And you yeah. think that, you know, in the beginning of the movie with this character, Mason Verger, he's horribly disfigured. He's like Ars face from Preacher. And you think that he's a a victim of Hannibal, which he's not really because he did it to himself. He cut himself I mean, up. He gave him like poppers and he told him to cut his face off and feed it to the dog. Yeah. He's so stupid he listened. <laughs> <laughs> they actually do that scene in the TV show Hannibal is yeah. so gnarly. They actually show him cutting off and feeding it to his dog on yes. network TV, and it is yes, they do. It's horrific. Yeah. Like they don't do horrific. that whole uh, mid to early mid two thousand style of editing, so it's like blurry and it's like slow mo yeah, kind of. No, like it's, it's pretty graphic. You should YouTube. Oh no, it. They the, the right, Hannibal. Right. No, I watched Hannibal. Yeah, yeah, the Hannibal series is super gory. But do you think they should have gone all the way with this Mason Verger character? Or do you think that this movie did it justice? I think to, to me, he would have been more interesting and that journey would have been more interesting if they had probably followed more closely and laid it on a little more thick of how bad of a person he was. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can do it with a conversation. You don't have to show him. Because yeah. I would think Mason Verger is more like the Buffalo Bill of Hannibal, but they didn't go that route. Yeah, yeah, they they stayed away from it. But the thing that I r- loved about when reading about the book is that once he got in trouble and lived on this place, he couldn't be like a proper pedophile anymore. This is how it was written in the article. I'm not saying there's proper pedophiles, but so he ha- hosted like a summer camp and like got off by just screaming at kids. Yeah, th- so he, when he like did he that, he no would have molest them. So he had yeah, to, like, put them down. He couldn't molest them, so he would have them come in. He owned an orphan or drug summer camp, and he would just like verbally abuse these children and i was like good god why did we not explore this well it should have been like the opening scene in the movie really just like it should have been with him when he's younger doing that 
like yeah, luring no. a kid in or something. The yeah. opening scene could have been Hannibal making him cut his face off. Like before the credits come up, before the title card, a younger Hannibal making him cut his face off, explaining why, like telling him all the bad things that he's done. So when we're like, oh, this terrible pedophile person, Hannibal's almost like a hero for doing this to this guy. And then we know the cat and mouse game instead of having the the explanation. It would have given both characters kind of a, I don't know, a little bit more of a backstory for their conflict that would have really worked for me. What do you and, think, Chelsea? And Mason Verger isn't the only one of, Lecter's victims to survive but I know that they they said that in you know this movie yeah it's true um so I think when I said there's one other person in the movie that turns in a better performance that is Ray Liotta strictly for the end scene when that scene with the brain he plays it so perfectly like i would believe that he was under a narcotic because <laughs> he plays it's so He's greatly so funny and realistic of how he would act and i was like that is acting right there you know they made a puppet of him really they made a puppet of him and he says he doesn't know which scenes are him or the puppet <laughs> that's amazing that was, I mean, for the time for 2001, that was pretty amazing visual effects to me. Like, it yeah. genuinely looked great, I thought. And did that shock you, that scene with the, the brain? Did that shock you when you first saw it? Yeah, no yeah. pun intended. It's very raw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, yeah, just kind of going, because it goes through all the, like, it does a good job of teasing all the way up to Clarice walking down the stairs and you hear the Yeah. And you know, kind of know what's going on because uh, Animal sneaks into the lab and takes all the tools that he needs to, to do this. And um, it, it, it's, it's satisfying in that he's been a dick the whole time. Like he's a very sexist person, homophobic. And so you get to this, ending sequence and it's been te also teased throughout the movie that uh or mentioned uh rather i think by barney that uh, he eats rude people and yeah so, uh or, or people who are not talented um and so we'll see that in red dragon uh at the very beginning of that movie that that's another thing when i was watching this movie i kept thinking about how great red dragon was too um so yeah, when we get to the to the sequence, it, it, when when it's pulled off and you see it, everything it, it is very shocking. And, and how they zoom in on Clarice's face and reaction to it, and she's like trying her best to normalize the situation, even though she, she herself is. Uh, Can I have some wine? <laughs> Can yeah, I have some yeah, wine? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And she doesn't want to drink it either. Um, and then yeah, Ray Liotta's face as he's like like when the blood starts to like drip down his face and he's like trying to, I don't know. It, it's, it's just feels like, like you can't even look away. Um, it's, it's a really well done sequence for sure. It is. And it's, it's just, it's like darkly funny, but also horrifying. Yeah. And the way he like smacks his lips for like he, the, the juice. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's so good. And I didn't really, I mean, I remember when I first saw it, when he feeds him his own brain part, that is 
Oh, it's so good. That's that's a chef's kiss oh, right there. Smells good. <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you, Ray Liotta turns in a fantastic performance during that scene. Like it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he, he it, puts in it's perfect. the way that he like waves as he's yeah. being wheeled out too. Yeah, it's a good yeah a good performance in that. Though I, that's why I was like, well, how did he not? So what? Why do you think this movie bombed? Like it has like a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, the first movie is, of course, a five gold star movie. Um, Why do you think this bombed with people and critics? Like uh, it's. Did it bomb with people? Because I I only saw the the critics. It's like the 23rd most successful horror film at the box office, I think. Well, yeah, because it made—I think it made like three hundred million or something. Like it was, it was a lot of money. It, it, yeah, like it, it, like. Go ahead. Sorry, I was looking at the numbers. Oh, you can say it. I th- I thought that it was oh up in the sixties for. Oh, is it? Is it in the sixties for audience score? Yeah. Okay, so it's in the sixties. So it didn't bomb with the fans, but with critics. So why did it bomb with critics then? Did you think just everybody was wanting? Silence of the Lambs, but with Ridley Scott. And they think maybe what we said earlier, it was going to be the alien version in tone and theme, but yeah. he really went James Cameron with it and was like, we're going all the way. Even the trailer teases a more cerebral, yeah. slower paced cat and mouse. Yeah. Got to catch Hannibal. And this movie very quickly turns into Hannibal's caught. We know exactly where he is, and it's just a gore fest until the end. Like that's really it. the movie is just. I I think the movie's at like a ten the whole time, and I think people went in thinking it was going to be a lot of Oscar worthy back and forth. You're going to have Anthony Hopkins giving all sorts of monologues that we're going to talk about forever, and there's none of that. I get him talking about art is very creepy, but none of it reaches the heights of the first movie and i think people just had a little backlash or critics definitely had some backlash to that yeah hannibal is at his scariest when his motive is unknown and when you when when you're having people hunt him it really takes away that ambiguity of what he'll what um of what he'll do so um I think it's very convoluted and oversaturated. Um, I, I really think, kind of like what I said at the top, if you were wanting something to be an extension of Silence of the Lambs or even something that takes even a little bit more time, uh, like breathing sequences, conversational, things like that, uh, something that we were just talking about earlier about Mason Virgil, uh, Verger, like just have... To me, I think it would have worked better if they did show like a scene of them talking to each other, like getting to know each other. And I think that's why I like the beginning of Red Dragon so much is because it opens with him like watching a orchestra play. And then there's one person that's not playing very well. He like eyes them and then you and you knowing how he is, it's like, well, he's going to fucking eat that guy. And then <laughs> it goes to like him having a dinner party and you see like a, like him doing what makes him such an interesting character is turning on that charm and that's what made the first one so cool was when he was contained and everything he was such a charming 
person and like you really wouldn't know that he was a bad guy if they didn't say all these things and it wasn't until the very end of silence of the lambs that you really got to see him flex um and so throughout this it's kind of a bit more yeah. conflicting i guess um the mystery is dead huh the mystery is dead yeah, yeah. Those, were, those were my notes exactly just that um Hannibal makes the movie Hannibal makes me less afraid of Hannibal Lecter because the more I know about him, the less mysterious it all is. His yeah. portrayal of everything is more camp than it is scary. Yeah. And when I think of Silence of the Lambs, I I'm terrified at, you know, his monologues that he has in here. And then, you know, he's kind of playing more. They're giving him a little more like wiggle room. And I don't I don't want that. I don't want that. I want him scary. Yeah, he, he's better as a secondary character. You think so? Yeah, because in the first movie, how much screen time does Hannibal actually have? Only a few minutes, right? He has 16, 16 right? Yeah, it's something, it's something real low. Uh, but yeah, he, he's all through the movie in this one. And it's just, is it is it me or is it weird to see him in like plain clothes in a mall with like an earpiece? This thought like it was just weird seeing that character. I didn't like that. I felt like a reshoot because he had like <laughs> he buzzed his hair. Yeah. Yeah. He was really feeling himself approach. with some of those outfits. So is Hannibal the best character in this movie? In Hannibal, the titular character. Berger made me laugh really hard. <laughs> I just like that his bed with mosquito nets and like 20 TVs is great. Okay. <laughs> I just want to know who put the light directly above him to illuminate his like yeah. dog eaten face. Like who did that? <laughs> and he probably did it. He's hilarious because he's, you know, they show him the mask. He's like, how much? Give, get me $250,000. Cordell. <laughs> Cordell. Cordell. Yeah. Cordell. Uh, no, I think I think Hannibal is uh, is my favorite character in this, uh, despite the the uh, knocks that we have against uh, how much he is in this movie. But like, if you take him, if like like I said earlier, if you separate the movies and you focus on, on it on its own like those lines like the one that i mentioned earlier about like let's get something to eat like he even has the line about mason verger when she's when he's talking to clarice and says uh uh have you have you talked to him face to face so to speak and so, <laughs> just like lines like that are, are really good the way that he licks the letter like he's like and then they like enhance the sound like they they, they really go for uh some of those those moments to really enhance the nastiness of it all of the all those his one-liners sound like something bruce campbell has uttered before yeah. like it's very his bags must be as heavy as bodies yeah <laughs> i'm telling you that's a bruce campbell line <laughs> But yeah, I would still say that he may it may not be my favorite performance, but he's my favorite character and it is still Hannibal. I mean, I think that there's other more. As we said, Ray Liotta is hilarious in this movie and puts in a great show. Gary Oldman's hilarious as disfigured boy. But uh, but ultimately, it's still it's still a Hannibal Hannibal movie. It's just it's weird because they kind of turn Hannibal into like Jason Bourne in this 
in this version where he's yeah, like they're heading around like anyone who comes up on him it's like one move and their their femoral artery is severed and they're just bleeding yeah. out like J- oh. jason Bourne is a good uh comparison because there's always those moments where the a character feels comfortable where they are and then he's like i like your dress and then he's like <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, like, carousel, it would have been great if that mo- if that Moby song started playing at the end as the boat's going yeah. out of the water. Yeah. Oh my god, that carousel scene with the the hand Andrew across Curry. her hair. So good. It's it's just uh, I'm telling you, this is a romantic movie. It came out on Valentine's Day. Um <laughs> <Can> y'all <laughs> are all talk- shaking your head. What's going on? Can we talk about a note that I wrote? Yeah, I just said, how is he? How is Hannibal Lecter funding all of this? He's a very wealthy man. He has, I mean, I'm sure he had bank accounts that the FBI never found. I said, I want to see Hannibal Lecter eating gas station sushi or a greenish hot dog that's been shiny for way too many days. Chelsea wanted that. Chelsea didn't want the FBI on him. She wanted the IRS. <laughs> show me your funds show me where the funds are yeah i mean i think he had a, like a, even if the fbi seized all of his counts he clearly is a master of disguise and got jobs and can get money and has probably killed his way to get these mansions a master I guess of disguise I... he put on an italian hat <laughs> <laughs> he put on an it and in one scene there's literally like a gladiator poster behind him yeah and i I don't know i want to see his journey like that's not full of all glitz and glamour like i want to see him eating gas station sushi and having like might i suggest you watch hannibal rising on your own yes (laughs) oh god that's when he's actually a superhero so were y'all shocked again when the um, perfume smellers for the FBI was Samir Naninanjad from Office Space and yes. Hector Salamanca from Breaking Bad? Yes. <laughs> I was like, what is the, happening here? The other thing that jumped out to me that shocked me was um, the FBI's top 10 most la- wanted. And Osama! Victor Osama bin Laden. And it was before. Yeah, it was February 2001. I wonder if Osama bin Laden saw this movie and got real pissed and was like, wait, what? <laughs> because it, I like that they called him Osama. Are, the- are you saying that this movie put into action the events of 9-11? It ends with the plane. It does. <laughs> Hashtag never forget. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it, that, really, with the plane. It does. Tell honestly, me. Honestly, that's the most believable part about this movie is that it took place before 9-11. That's the only way he could get on all these flights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the at the actual like not Interpol not talking to the FBI, yep. like it that's oh. a whole that's a whole bag. It is a whole <laughs> yeah, bag. no, it hel- it helps the believability of them being unable to find him because but it shows that the fbi one of the other themes of the movie besides romance is corruption like it's corruption in the fbi trying to get money from mason verger for revenge kill the only thing that would have improved this movie is if jesse plemons showed up with his giant cowboy hat in italy (laughs) 
I'm here to see about all them killings. Did you notice? Did you notice when the the detective was on the computer? He had to like log in to see yeah, the ten yeah. most. Yeah. And I'm what? It was 2001. I love you don't the have... Netscape. The Netscape yeah. thing was really funny too because I was like, oh my gosh, how far yeah. we've come. So not only do we talk about um, most of these elements, but Hans Zimmer did the score for this movie. Was it memorable? Was it was it memorable as Silence of the Lambs? What? There's there's that. Uh, I, I knew that he did it because uh, when I heard the there's one song that they play when he's watching the opera that they play twice in the movie. It's a very good song, but that is not Hans Zimmer. Mm-mm. It's uh, I think it's Patrick something. Cause I watched a, an interview. It was like one of those actors on actors thing between uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Colin Farrell. And he plays that song for her and they have a good cry over it because it's a very beautiful song. And so when they play, that I was like trying to pay attention closer to the, I was like, wait, did that Patrick guy do the score? And then I was like, oh, it's Hans Zimmer. And then throughout you'll start to hear the, like all his typical type of stuff. So, but I don't think it's a memorable score. Nothing like uh, the first one to me. Oh. Okay. Were you upset that there wasn't like that big twist from Silence of the Lambs here? Cause like that first, in Silence of the Lambs, when you think, Jodie Foster and the FBI are uh, in, I mean, they are in different places, but you think the FBI is going to catch Buffalo Bill and it's actually Jodie Foster. They didn't have that moment in this movie. Were you upset about that? Man, it just goes to show you that Silence of the Lambs is one of the best edited movies. It is. It's so that that whole ending sequence is so well executed. It's tough to compare. I mean, yeah, it's just tough when one of the greatest suspense thrillers of all time and then you have its sequel which is probably i mean we'll talk about ratings is it terrible it's definitely watchable it's definitely enjoyable but it's not reaching the a plus territory of silence of the lambs i mean again it's alien and then aliens and then it's silence of the lambs and hannibal i feel like they're the same to a degree to a degree but to a degree because aliens is still an incredible movie to me that's is hannibal not yeah is Hannibal not? No, I don't no. think it's amazing. <laughs> like you can put on, you can find someone and be like, "Hey, oh, let's watch Aliens." And yeah. Like, Hell yes. Let's watch Hannibal. Or, yeah. or let's, let's watch. Aliens. Let's watch the last ten minutes of Hannibal. Right. Yeah. So you're saying Hannibal needs Bill Paxton? It might. Like, honestly, he might have been I a would... good Ray Liotta character. Yeah. yeah. He honestly, would've. I think I would introduce my son to get him on board i'd be like hey let's watch aliens because it's all action and he'll get like okay what they are and then when he gets a little older and can appreciate slower burn things show him alien i really think that might be my path that, that, to that's not gonna be my approach <laughs> starting with alien because then you're gonna be so overstimulated you won't be able to have the patience for it that's what i'm saying you're you're like, like, older, wait there's only like, one in here yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you don't see it yeah <laughs> so we'll see uh, um, so no. after all these years, so it's got like what a 32% rating. What do you give Hannibal right now? What what would you give it? Does it deserve 32%? No. I'd do you give think it, it deserves least, more? Uh, yeah, I'd give it at least like a 50 something. Okay. That's yeah. up there. I, I still think 
you know, there are issues to it, but I don't think it deserves a 30 something. I think that's, that's way too low. I'm with Chelsea. I think it's got enough redeemable parts to where it's got to be somewhere between 50, 55 and 60, somewhere 60. in that range. Yeah. yeah. I'm going 60, 65, I'm going a little higher. I mean, just because it's in, it's, it's batshit insane movie. When you look at it, it is just over the top craziness. And that's what I like about that. I like about that a lot. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, how do we relate this to John Wick? Well, I mean, all the locations. Yeah. The opera. The opera. The, like... I'm, t- I'm telling you, Chelsea, you bring up a good point. I feel like that where they did the opera was the same place they did in John Wick 2. <laughs> the big action scenes. It was like the same location. Honestly, who would be better at being one of these assassins than Hannibal Lecter? The way he's moving through Italy, stabbing people in the dick like... He totally could work getting a gold coin to take care of some stuff. He gets rid of the body on his own. He might be the most efficient assassin ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No per diem. He just no per diem. And he eats no them. Per diem. That's crazy. No, yeah. I as soon as I saw the the kind of opera thing, yeah. I go John Wick. I that I go that's easy. Yeah. Did yeah, you? I'll... I think Ridley Scott was testing out every possible gore special effect and blood special effect i think he got so excited on gladiator i'm wondering like i wish i mean he'll definitely talk about it but i wonder if there's scenes of gladiator that he wish he could have used like a different technique or had more time to use techniques on because the way the artery pumps the blood out when he stabs the guy in the street in italy um the the guts and the intestines hitting the ground. yeah it just i feel like he was like oh i've got this budget I've got all this stuff. Let's see what a brain looks like. And let's see how far we can go with the pigs ripping faces off. Like, how can we work these animals in to do it? I feel like he was just. Yeah. And all of that stuff was very like calculated. Like when you, when you hear them talk about, it's like, oh, we had a brain surgeon. Um, You know, we had actual organic, you know, brain. There was this sheep, like two sheep's brain together, but. Beyond meat. Yeah. (laughs) It was just very cool. Yeah, I, I, I like him uh, saying like what part of the brain this was and feeding that to him and like what its purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. That, that's the one thing that jumped out to me is like Ridley Scott loves his gore. And there's a scene in Napoleon that I won't spoil for you that happens very on one of the early battles where you could just tell it's like Ridley Scott was like, can we do this? physically with cgi however we need to do it can we make this type of gore happen and someone told him yes and he was just like centering the initial battle all around this one shot it's just (laughs) you guys are gonna you're gonna see it and be like oh this is ridley scott in his bag again yeah Yeah. i'm curious about it just because i think even though this isn't a ridley scott movie but i think one of the gnarliest battle sequences in a war film outside of the opening of uh, Saving Private Ryan is uh, the scene in Patriot when the cannonball just takes off that guy's leg and it's like a quick shot goes to shit. I can only imagine what it is. Yeah, let's say Ridley Scott has some things with cannonballs and Napoleon that you can tell he is what can we do, guys? How far has this technology progressed? He loves to explore the gore. (laughs) That's Explore the gore. Explore the gore. You know what scene I really liked in Hannibal 
um, that was kind of a throwaway scene. I loved when Hannibal entered the room to the German shepherd and the German shepherd was like, I ain't fucking with this guy. Like immediately. Such a great great underrated way to show that a person is truly evil to have a dog immediately cower. Yeah. Like when he just like showed like he's like alpha for sure. Like I thought that was cool. Huh? The pigs just recognize one of their own. Well, I think the pigs, like he didn't show, um, uh, Hannibal didn't show fear, fear, so they didn't uh, go around him. So but the dog thing was awesome. Like I was like, because I forgot about that. I was like, damn, this German Shepherd was about to kill, kill a kill. And no, it didn't happen. I- <laughs> oh, by the way, I love all the, this is another kind of like, small moments of genius with uh with ridley scott is that two things one when um after that uh pickpocketer gets stabbed and potsy is washing his hands in that boar fountain the boar yeah i was like ah there's a there's a picture when with ray liotta there's like a boar on the wall yeah yeah and speaking of Ray Liotta, like I love um, when he rides his bike during that sequence right before the German Shepherd. He's wearing one of those caps. Yeah, like, he's wearing one like yeah, the caps. Yeah, yeah. I was like mm-hmm. genius. It just like even like the more heavy-handed, even like literally and pun intended, was when at the opera or not at the opera, but at the lecture. Hannibal is talking about hanging and he puts his hand on Detective Potsy right when he says it. And I was like, oh man, it's so good. See, that that gives you more of the like terrifying. Yeah, the suspense. Yeah, suspense. That's that's scary as fuck to me. But yeah, that, that character was so dumb too. Just like, why wouldn't, why did he want to take it all the way? He was a half-rate Al Pacino. <laughs> he was. <laughs> He was, he was. Um, so do we recommend this? Is this this is better than we thought, right? It is. I recommend it. I would tell, I mean, it's sitting there on max. It's not too long. It definitely has you will there are memorable scenes in it where you will remember them if you haven't seen it. And if this is your first yeah, if you have seen it, you'll remember and be like, wow, this actually worked. If you haven't seen it, you'll come away with a couple of things being like, well, that was. That was actually pretty good. So I would tell people to watch it. I would recommend playing the last 10 to 20 minutes on a loop um, on Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that this is the most romantic movie with cannibalism? Or do you think that's bones and all? Bones and all. And raw. And raw. Okay. Romantic sister story. (laughs) Okay. So this is number three then. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. What, what, what other <laughs> Campbell movies are there besides Campbell? <laughs> Eat them um, up. Check, check your Google up. history, Brian. You probably have romantic cannibal movies pulled up. I do. That'll be my next letterboxed list. <laughs> um, yeah, it's Hannibal. It's on. It's on HBO Max. I got a kick out of it. Still, it is gory as shit because I forgot about all the gore. I just remembered little pieces. But man, it goes all the way. Ridley Scott. Whew. Okay. Um, yeah, and I. I want to say I want to end on I. I think that Anthony Hopkins is such a good actor. I think in real life 
he could pull that character out of his hat and legit scare me. Even though I know that character is not real, I think if he pulled that character out in an interview, I would not know what to do with myself. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely, hundred percent agree with you. He could creep me out. You're like Brian. You'd be like, why? He'd be like, <laughs> have you given serious thought to your questions, Brian? Do you know what oh. else would scare me though? He could be his character from uh, Transformers: The Last Night, and that would also scare me. So he's got a lot of scary characters that he can just pull out of nowhere. Right? Oh my goodness. Um, we are Fear and Loathing in Cinema podcast. Um, we are here. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, we hope you have a great turkey week and eat all the food and watch all of the films that we discuss on this show on Fear and Loathing in Cinema uh, podcast. Um, Chelsea, where can everybody find you? They can find me passed out on Thursday after too much wine. <laughs> um, they can find me on Twitter as Miss underscore Tenenbaum and, or Chelsea Nico on everything else. Cool. Preston, where do they find you at? I don't want to be found. Okay. He's, he, he has <laughs> gone off with his... his... Okay. He's become Mason Virgin. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Ron Swanson. Uh, you can find me on freshfiction.tv and dittonrc.com and on social media, Instagram at Blu ray dad and everything else as Preston Barta. Hell yeah. Dan Moran, Fear what law firm are you at? Fear and Loathing in Cinema Instagram and Fear and Loathing in Cinema at gmail.com, where I guess I'm going to get hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> please send okay. it yeah and i'm brian kluger find me brian kluger everywhere i am there uh hell yeah not one social media platform you're not on is there yeah. what is there a social media platform you're not on i'm not on or cutter friendster anymore <laughs> what about myspace is still on myspace I th- it's probably still out there i don't I even wish i could log into my old myspace i think about that a lot yeah i'm always curious like what was my last song before what what was my profile song what was my profile song what was the little quote what what did my top eight friends look like at that time yeah i'd probably say my song was something by good charlotte it was probably insane clown posse for me (laughs) probably yeah i want to go Something. Good Charlotte. Good Charlotte. Some, <laughs> some like very emo pop punks. Yeah, that's who I am. Dinosaur Junior. Who I am. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, we love you. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back next week to start out the holiday season. Bye.